Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. This is Pat Salber with the American Journal of Managed Care. It's time for my bi-monthly podcast. And there are so many things going on in healthcare right now, not little things, really big things. And I'm delighted to have Rita Numeroff, who is an internationally recognized consultant and thought leader and the co-founder and president of Numeroff and Associates, which is a strategy consulting firm that develops customized market-based solutions for strategic and operational challenges of organizations in industries undergoing significant transition, and I think healthcare (laughs) definitely uh, meets that um, standard right now. Uh, She has 25 years of experience across healthcare and has a unique cross-disciplinary approach uh, to a whole range of engagements that she's participated in. So, Rita, welcome. We really look forward to having your perspective on some of these pretty amazing changes that are uh, shaking up healthcare right now. Thanks so much, Pat. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So I thought we'd dive right in um, and talk about uh, some of these major changes that are really shaking up healthcare like never never before, including, um, I'm not sure this one shook us up so much, but the failed merger of Cigna and Anthem the acquisitions like CVS's takeover of Aetna, and I think the, the kind of the biggest jolt was the announcement by Amazon, J.P. Morgan, and Berkshire Hathaway that they're going to jointly create a new healthcare company. And then, just today, there was another announcement, and again, I'm not sure how big this will be, but a whole bunch of healthcare luminaries, including Andy Slavitt from CMS and William Frist, who uh, was a, a senator and very involved in healthcare when he was in Congress, a uh, bunch of governors, um, and on a bipartisan basis. So they've just announced the, this new organization called the United States of Care. So, Sharita, tell me, what? Why are we seeing so many of these changes now? What are the underlying factors, do you think, that are contributing to to, to these announcements one after another? I think the, the simple answer, Pat, is that there's a recognition that the business model of the healthcare sector is broken. We've been trying to get to better health, better health outcomes at lower cost or greater value, however you want to define this, for more than 30 years. And so CMS, as an example, was trying to bend the cost curve back in the mid-1980s when it instituted a little experiment going on in the state of New Jersey called DRGs. And I was one of few people at the time. I had just finished my doctorate, and I was on faculty at uh, Washington University here in St. Louis, where I was teaching a graduate course in health policy. And I had predicted at the time that DRGs were going to lead us down a path of poor health, poor coordination, and higher costs, the exact opposite of what the intent was. And my argument had at the time, I think is very relevant to the conversation we're having today. There was no connection between payment and outcomes. There was no transparency. There was no focus on the continuum of care and accountability across that entire space, if you will. And it was not 
consumer centered. The word consumer wasn't even part of the equation. It was really not even patient centered at the time. And I've had a bias for many years that hospitals were never meant to be destinations of choice. That doesn't mean that we don't need them. We do. But if we're serious about getting to better health, better health outcomes at lower cost, we need to be engaging us as participants, as consumers, because a lot of the choices that we make about our health care are really important in driving underlying cost and getting to different kinds of outcomes. And so I think if we look at these underlying factors and the business model, which has not been a market-based model with transparency and accountability and real choice, we're not going to get to the solutions we're looking for. I think that all segments of the industry have to deal differently with their business models. And as I said in my last book, Bringing Value to Healthcare, we're talking about changes to the business models, not only of healthcare delivery, but also the device, diagnostics, and pharmaceutical sector as well. And I think that employers have a very important part in this whole equation that they haven't really exercised until relatively recently. So I think this is the beginning of a lot of change that we're going to continue to see over the next several months and next several years. So there was a lot to chew on there, and I don't, I'm not quite sure where to jump in, but I think I'm going to start with the employers because I spent a, a nice chunk of my career actually working with large employers when we really believed that they were going to be able to drive change. And I spent, I was on loan from Kaiser Permanente, where I was a physician executive, to General Motors prior to the strike when they were the largest private purchaser of healthcare in the world. So there have been times in the past when large employers have tried to drive changes, but I think that the problem, and it wasn't just their problem, it was all our problems. If you look at these failed experiments that we've done, you can you know, start with DRGs, but there was, you know, pay for performance. There was, uh, you know, what we did to the actual delivery of care in terms of um, bringing in some, I, I am not an anti-managed care person, but there were some implementations of managed care that have been really bad for patient care. You know, the, 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 the rise in the dominance of the 15-minute office visit where 10 minutes is spent on the EHR and maybe five minutes spent with the patient. Um, all these things didn't work. So do you think now, and maybe we should start with having you apply this to this answer to Amazon, J.P. Morgan, and Berkshire Hathaway, do, sure. do you think that they're going to learn from the lessons in the, of, of the past and, um, and, and apply this, hopefully, to the delivery system as opposed to just monkeying around with insurance? Do you have any insight into what they're actually up to? Sure, sure. I, I think your comment about the problems of pay-for-performance and the intrusion of managed care and the requirements for uh, certain uses of the EHR have created enormous bureaucracy. Whether they're well-intended or not, Pat, is, is not really part of the discussion. Let's, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say everybody that was involved in all of this was doing it for good intent. I think the focus was misguided, and the idea that we would look to Washington to um, really continue to bend the cost curve through a mechanism of bureaucracy and more administration is a, a fool's errand. And if you look at 
what these three mega corporations are uh, potentially attempting to do, because they're just starting down this path, and their announcement really was not um, thing that just came out of the blue. They've been looking at this for some time. Um, my expectation is that they will be looking at different solutions, and they have the opportunity to create um, real clout, if you will, with regard to provider organizations in delivering different kinds of health outcomes. I think it's a statement that the market is frustrated with the current model. Employers, I think, have had a very important role in, in driving change. But most of what they've done is write checks through insur traditional insurers who have not necessarily had the opportunity to change the fundamental payment model. And so if you think about any other business where we engage, we have an idea about how much it's going to cost, whatever the product is that we're going to buy, we know who's paying for it, we can comparison shop, and in healthcare, you can't do that. And I'm not talking here about emergency care, but in other kinds of um, purchases of delivery services, there is absolutely no transparency. And I think that this um, conglomerate is in part trying to change that model and their opportunities to engage very differently outside of the current uh, fee-for-service CPT code level uh, reimbursement plan to be able to create different solutions with providers that themselves are interested in changing the model of delivery itself. So can I interpret what you just said as a vote for direct contracting between employers and the delivery system? Um, are you in some way proposing um, that we cut out or minimize the role of the existing in insurance giants, and does that have anything to do with why CBS might have taken over Aetna and Aetna, I guess, let them? Well, I think that direct-to-employer contracting is something that we're going to see more of uh, around the corner. We have uh, examples of that in other parts of um, the economy today typically around a carve-out basis. So Walmart, for example, has engaged with um, five or six centers of excellence in the area of spine care, and they have created benefit arrangements with their employees to encourage employees to go to these centers, and the expense is basically picked up entirely by Walmart. And so they evaluated what the capabilities are of these various centers that are part of this arrangement of the centers of excellence. But it took an enormous amount of work for them to get to that point. They qualified lots of different centers, and these particular institutions were deemed as having the best diagnostics relative to the care that was being contracted. And you can see other examples where there are guarantees and a move to direct-to-employer um, contracting. It doesn't mean that we do away with um, the role of insurers. I think insurers as part of the healthcare ecosystem also need to think very differently about their business models. And we're seeing changes with United, 
the change that you mentioned with Aetna and, and CDS. And I think this does foreshadow dramatic changes in the way in which healthcare is delivered and paid for in this country. So it's really interesting because, as I said, GM had quite a bit of clout when I was working for them. And they did try, they were very committed to trying to drive a, you know, cost quality agenda. Um, the problem that I see with the employers being the primary driver, and I'm, I'm not against them getting into it, and I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens with this uh, triumvirate of Amazon and J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway. But the problem is, is it isn't their core business. You know, GM's core business was to make cars, not to manage healthcare, and and healthcare is complicated. Uh, and, and, it, and we've talked about, as you know, transparency for years and years and years. But part of the problem with transparency is, you know, you can give a lot of information to consumers. Uh, but, you know, I'm a physician, and I recently had a very complicated eye disease. And for me, it was even a struggle to make my, you know, the proper decisions for, for myself. So I think if you're talking about the simple decision, should I take my drug or not, you know, uh, should I get on insulin or something? You know, those aren't really complicated decisions. But when you start to get into not only complicated diseases, but now the um, clinical solutions are so complicated with all the new targeted drugs and, uh, you know, cancer therapies and so forth, do you, do you think that we're going to be able to get there with the employers alone? Or at the end of the day, are we going to need, I mean, the insurers to step up and do what they probably should have been doing, which was to you know, be managing better, or, or are we going to invent some, some, some new infrastructure, or are we going to move to a single-payer system and, and have them help drive some of this? How do you think this is actually going to go from a really good idea into something that can actually happen and accomplish the goals that we've been trying to get to for 30 years? Sure. Well, well, I, I, I hope that we don't move to a single payer because I don't think that's the solution. I don't think having it all under one umbrella is, from my perspective, going to get us there any faster. Having said that, I think that CMS, as the largest payer in this country, um, has a role to play in establishing the standards at a, at a macro level and requiring an appropriate level of transparency, not in the minutia, because CMS, just like any large corporation, isn't going to be able to mandate um, care delivery, nor, I would argue, can a, a facility, whether it's one of the large, well-known facilities like a Kaiser or a Cleveland Clinic or a May or a Geisinger and, and lots of others in between that do fabulous work, that they're going to be able to mandate at a corporate level how care is delivered at the individual physician-patient level. I, I think that that is, is never going to happen, and an attempt to do that through administrative fiat is going to just cost us more money and get in the way of achieving the goal that you and I have established, as well as others have, is, is really the optimal goal. So having said that, cars, using your analogy, are complicated. I don't know how to build a car, and I rely on third-party information, whether it's Consumer Reports or J.D. Powers or other kinds of publicly available information, to be able to help me make choices 
based on parameters that are important to me. We're not talking about the emergency purchase of a car, so we'll, we'll take that off the table for a minute in terms of emergency. And I do recognize that buying a car is very different from contracting for healthcare services. But the point is that the federal government has established certain kinds of standards. We may agree or disagree about what those standards are, but we have to have compliance to emission standards. There have to be certain safety regulations that are in place, and there has to be mileage in city or highway driving mileage that's posted, and consumers have that information available to them in a way that's digestible. And so if you think about the information that's been available to consumers up until relatively recently, it's been next to non-existent. And a lot of consumers going into a physician's office, particularly if they're not comfortable um, navigating the lay of the land, may not know the kinds of questions that need to be asked or may be so anxious that when they ask the question, they get an answer, they're not sure how to process it or remember on the, on the back side what to do with that. And so I, I think we do need better education as consumers. And many consumers, when they've asked about information, have not had their answers necessarily received well for a whole variety of reasons. Physicians not comfortable with that kind of discussion, and I realize this is not obviously universal, but if they ask a question having to do with cost, Most people either have not had access to what that cost information was or it depends on a complex formula based on what my particular insurance carriage was. And so we have a lot of obfuscation and what I'm arguing for, and I think we're going to be seeing more going forward, is simpler, greater transparency and accountability. Well, I, I hope I hope you're right. Uh, it certainly has been a goal for uh, for quite some time. Because even back in the days when I was at GM, you know, we talked about transparency. Uh, I, I guess the problem that I see is healthcare uh, delivery and options are aren't getting simpler; they're getting much more complicated. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And so uh, we've covered a lot of ground, and I can't believe our time is up already, uh, but I, uh, I would like to invite you back so we can continue this conversation and uh, perhaps uh, have the focus of the next conversation a little bit about how the delivery system can actually reduce their their, their cost, the cost of delivering the care, because at the end of the day, um, if the costs of delivering the care go down, then a lot of the issues around who's insured and who's not insured and what kind of access and so forth go away. It's only, it's, it's in part because it's so expensive um, that we have all these issues. So, Rita, I really want to thank you very much for um, a very interesting conversation, fascinating insights, and um, let's continue the conversation sometime in the near future. I look forward to it, Pat. It was a pleasure. Thank you. 